0: Take your Bibles this morning and turn the book by Isaiah. Uh, we have a good number of people out this morning, you can obviously tell. And uh, I thought rather than continue our series in the Bible of John, uh, that we would just step out of that for this week and, and come to look at this passage in Isaiah chapter 55. Lord willing, uh, we will return to our series next week. uh, Part of that is just simply because uh, we're we're talking about evangelism, and we really want that to be a focus this year, and so we want to be sure that as many people as possible can can hear that. This morning, Isaiah chapter 55, we're going to look at a gospel invitation this morning. Isaiah 55, verse 1, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, come and buy and eat, Come by wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me here that your soul may live, and I will make you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast sure love for them. Behold, I am made Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This morning we see a text that is addressed first of all in the original context to Uh, the Old Testament people to to Israel. Uh, Israel in this time is under the judgment of God. If you know the Old Testament story, you know well. This is coming at the end of that uh, age of time in which God has been so gracious and so merciful and so forgiving and so long-suffering with the people of Israel, and yet they just continue to rebel against Him again and again and again. Even when the Lord would show mercy to them they would turn back to their sin they would turn back to their idols and they would reject the Lord their God and as a result of this they had come under severe judgment in this time. this just for reading this and you have been reading the Old Testament storyline if you come to this you, you might perhaps be thinking that this is it that God's mercy has run out that God's patience and long-suffering, that his, that his kindness and His forgiveness has finally come to an end. But it's in the midst of, of that bleak context, and, and even in a book of Isaiah that speaks much about the coming judgment of God upon His people, it's in that context that we get the, this entire section, really, uh, which has so many wonderful promises, so many so many great displays of mercy. So many astounding promises and some of the kindest invitations to return to the Lord and to be blessed. What we see in this text is that the gospel is an invitation and it's a a free and urgent offer of sure pardon to those who will heed it and will forsake their sin to return to the Lord. That's what the gospel is because Uh, God's word is timeless. Uh, This is a word not only for the Old Testament people, this is a word for you here this morning. If you're here and you're like Israel and you recognize that you have been disobedient to God, and as a result you rightly understand that that you have fallen under God's judgment, then listen this morning. This is a word for you. It's a kind word. It's a gracious word. It's It's an invitation to return to the Lord and to find him uh, to be kind and gracious to you. The first thing that we see in this text this morning is that the gospel is a soul-satisfying offer. The gospel is a soul-satisfying offer. We find this right away in the first verse. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat, come, buy wine and milk." You just see how strongly the Lord is, is urging his people is urging you this morning. We see that repeated four times. Come, come, come. You get, you get the idea that He wants you to come to Him. One person said uh, that this almost gives you the idea of a, a merchant who is standing on the street and is, and is attempting to sell something and just repeatedly shouting out again and again, coming in. here it is. And this is the way the Lord is with His people. He's, he's beckoning you. He's calling you to come to Him. He's urging you, This morning this invitation is to come to the Lord And and to find That for which your soul Is longing He uses a metaphor here doesn't he He says come everyone who thirsts Come to the waters He who has no money come buy and eat Come buy wine and milk Without money and without price He's using this idea of Hunger and thirst And and he's using that as, as a metaphor what does it mean to be thirsty or to be hungry? Well, we know that thirst really is an, is an innate and an intense longing for something that's essential for your life. It's innate. That means uh, people have this desire. It's, it's universal. Every person, uh, unless there's something drastically wrong with them physically, uh, they, they have a thirst. They have this this desire to to drink water. Thirst is intense. It it creates a a strong desire. It isn't a weak or a sort of a passive thought that you have once in a while. You must have something to drink. No, it's a very intense thing. And and as you go longer and longer, uh, you recognize, I've got to have something to drink. And it's an important desire. It's essential for your life and well-being. The reason that God has given you the desire to, to drink, the reason that God has given you thirst, and the reason that God has given you is because without it, you'll die. Just imagine that you lived life and you didn't really have a desire to to drink water. You didn't have a a desire to drink anything that that would provide the fluid that you need. Or or you didn't really have hunger. Some of us wish we didn't have as much of an appetite as we do, right? Uh, But what if you had no appetite at all? What if you were completely indifferent to food? You would die if you didn't have this desire. It's something that's essential for your well-being. And so the Lord is applying this in a spiritual sense. Here the Lord is drawing from this universal reality and He's making a spiritual comparison. The Lord is obviously talking about something spiritual here, not just uh, something that's literally or, or, or physical. God has created you as a spiritual being as well as a physical being. In other words, you have a soul in addition to having a body. And just like your body has certain essential things, some necessities that that are required for your physical life, so your soul has some necessities, some things that it must have in order for you to flourish spiritually. Thirst and hunger is an innate, intense longing for something uh, of spiritual good that is essential to your life and your well-being. What is it? That we long for. What is it that your soul longs for this morning? There, there may be many things. I can think of a few. I, I can think of one being pardon. We need the release of our guilt. Many people go throughout their lives with various kinds of guilt. They, they, they sense uh, that, that there's something wrong about them, they, they sense that they haven't lived as they ought to live. Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 tell us that, that when this happens, that people show that the work of God's law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. You see, God's law has been written on your heart, and the reason that you've sense that uh, that that sense of guilt. Oftentimes, Sometimes you know that you've done something wrong. Sometimes you, you may not even be fully aware of what it is, but, but you recognize there's something wrong. I, I, I'm not right. And there's a burden there. Some of you have maybe read Pilgrim's Progress before and you remember uh, the story of Christian and how he sets on uh, the, the, the pathway, on uh, the, the travel to... The celestial city, and, and all throughout, right? He's got this burden. He's got this pack that he's carrying around, and it's the guilt of his sin. And it's when he comes to the cross, when he comes to Calvary, that he recognizes that that rolls away. And maybe that's the way that you are. Maybe you have guilt, and you understand. I, you know, I haven't lived the way that God would want me to live. There's a thirst for forgiveness. Well, listen to this morning, if you thirst to know that you can be forgiven and that you can. Be made right with God. He invites you this morning. Come. in you know, Isaiah chapter 1, 18, there's another invitation more specific to this. Come now. He says, Isaiah 1, 18, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. This is the invitation to come this morning. Some of you, it it may not be pardon, but it might be purity. That is freedom from the enslaving power of sin. Many are troubled by an ongoing reality that no matter how much they desire to overcome their sin, no matter how much they say, I know this is wrong, I don't want to do this anymore, they find themselves enslaved to it, they find themselves going right back to it again and again and again. They're addicted in a sense, In in the same way a drug addict must have Uh, the the substance that they're abusing. So some of us, there there are sins, there are particular struggles that we have that seem to constantly allure and constantly entice us. And we are in slavery. We are in bondage to that sin. Maybe your deep longing in your soul, that hunger and thirst that you have, is simply finally to be free of that bondage. Well, listen to what Jesus says in John 8, 36. He says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. When you come to Christ, when you heed this invitation, and you come to the Lord for salvation, He will set you free, not, not only from the penalty of sin, but also from the power of sin over you. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse number 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. That's the converting grace of God. When you come to the Lord for salvation, your old self dies. You you lay you lay it down. You lay that flesh down so that you will no longer be enslaved to sin. And he says, for one who has died has been set free. From sin, have you been set free from sin this morning? The invitation to you is to come to Christ and to have that need met. Whatever your soul is longing for this morning, the reality is this, and and you might experience that that longing, that hunger, and thirst in various ways. But whatever it is, the Lord is the answer. He is the one that can ultimately quench the thirst and satisfy the hunger of your soul. I've quoted it before, but you remember the, the quote from Augustine who says, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. You you may try to mask those hungers and thirsts that you have. You might think this will be the way to go, that'll be the way to go, this will satisfy me, that will satisfy me. But until you come to the Lord, until you come to him and buy and eat, until you drink the water of life, you will continue to have those longings, those hungers, and thirsts. The gospel is a soul satisfying offer. But secondly, this morning, the gospel is a free offer. The gospel is a wonderfully free offer. Look again at verse number one. Who is the offer made to? He says, To everyone. This is an exclusive. This isn't only for some people. This isn't only for the super-religious. This isn't just for those who have their lives together. This isn't for for those who, who have sufficient Bible knowledge. This is for anyone who hears this offer. Everyone. And notice what he says here again. And he who has no money. He tells them, come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. Uh, there's, there's no catch to it. You don't have to bring anything to the Lord and, and, and say, here, Lord, there, there's a trade. I've got the stuff that I that I need. I've got all the prerequisites that you've required of me. Now I can come and have salvation. Now I can come and have forgiveness. No, it's, it's for everyone. And it's free. Until we get the, free, the idea of the freeness of salvation, you, you don't have it at all. You see, many people operate... With, a, with an understanding of the gospel or the understanding of Christianity, uh, that it's kind of like a subsidy program. You know what a subs- subsidy is, don't you? I, I've got a little bit of money, but I don't have enough money to pay for this. And so I need somebody to give me a little bit to kind of meet, meet that difference. What I've got versus what the rent is, or what I've got versus what the cost of this thing is. I need someone to subsidize me spiritually. That's, that's the way many think about Christianity. That's the way they think about the gospel. Well, God wants you to do your best. He wants you to try the hardest that you can try and be the best person that you can be. But, of course, you're not going to be perfect. And so God will kind of make up the difference. Whatever gap there is between your righteousness and your good deeds and, and what God requires, He'll make up the difference. But that's not the gospel at all. Notice it is, this is an indication to those who have, no money. Come and buy without price. There, there, is, uh, there is nothing that you bring to the gospel. You see, grace must be free or it isn't grace. This is what Paul says in Romans 11, 6. But if it is by grace, that is, if our salvation is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace. That's not grace at all. That's your effort. You can't mix it through. They're like water and oil. The only kind of grace there is, is grace that is completely free. Think about the, the Pharisee and the tax collector. Do you remember that story? The two men went into the temple to pray. The one was a Pharisee. He thought he had some righteousness and he lifted his eyes up to the heavens and he praised to God. God, thank you that I'm not like other people. Thank you that I'm so good. Thank you that I have this righteousness that is so wonderful. And then Jesus said that there's another person who was a tax collector. This was somebody that was despised in their culture. And and he was over off on the side. And it says that he would not even lift his eyes up to heaven. But but he smote his breast and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That was someone who realized, I don't have any money. I, I, I don't have, it's not that I just need a little bit of help. I've got nothing. There's nothing that I can bring to the Lord. To to earn uh, righteousness before Him. There's nothing that I can do to gain entrance into heaven. It's completely dependent upon the grace of God. And that's what you need to do this morning. You see, the the only catch to this offer, really, we want to even say it that way, is is that there's got to be a recognition that you don't bring anything to the table. As one person said, the only thing that you bring to your salvation is the sin that that, that brings the necessity for salvation. Uh, We don't bring any goodness. Notice, too, that there is a price. But the the price has been paid. He he says it twice in in verse number one. Come and buy. Come come and buy. Uh, In other words, salvation is free to us. But it certainly is not free altogether. There is a cost to it. But what we recognize from Scripture is that God has paid the price in His Son, Jesus Christ. The the wonderful reality about this section of Isaiah uh, is that there's these wonderful, uh, we call them sometimes servant songs, that that point forward to Jesus Christ and they tell the Gospel in such a, a pointed, in such a direct way. It's amazing that this was written hundreds of years before Christ came but listen to what Isaiah 53 5 says speaking of Christ and foretelling Him it says but He was pierced for our transgressions He was crushed for our iniquities upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with His wounds we are healed You, you see you've got to come and buy there's a payment that must be made but Jesus Christ has made the payment on your behalf The gospel is free, but it isn't cheap. It costs us nothing, but it costs Jesus everything. And this offer is bountiful and abundant, and it has all that we need and more. You notice the progression here, don't you? At first he says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, but then then notice how it kind of escalates here. Come, buy and eat come by wine and milk. This just gets better and better all the time. There's water, but then there's wine and milk. This is a a lavish provision. You see, the gospel is not just sort of the bare bones. In Jesus Christ and in the gospel, all of your spiritual needs are met. Everything that you need has been graciously given to you through Christ. In Christ, we don't simply get the bare minimum. We get the full wealth of God's love and salvation. If you've been hesitant this morning, maybe you've been hesitant to engage, or maybe you've been hesitant in, in terms of your spiritual walk with the Lord because you're not sure you have what is required, then you are exactly the person who is ready to receive this invitation. If you recognize I together, I don't feel like my life is in order. I don't You see, one of the greatest markers of those who are spiritual, truly spiritual, are they are those that realize I am spiritual, I'm in spiritual poverty. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's you this morning. The gospel offer is a a free offer. The gospel is also a specific offer. The offer is, is not that you can find satisfaction. Not that you can find your soul's needs anywhere and everywhere that you pursue by whatever means you choose. It is a specific offer. Look at verse number two. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? You see, all of us have these deep longings in our soul. We, we all have these needs and we sense them. And what many people do is that they seek to go out in various ways try to fulfill those needs. They they try to go not to the Lord but in the world and and find something that will satisfy their soul. But, But what we need to see is that this offer for a soul satisfying work of God is not that you can just pursue the world and he'll give you satisfaction he'll give you joy and peace it is that when you come to him when you seek the Lord when you turn away from your place and begin to walk in his place that is when you will be Satisfied. That is when your hunger will be met. That is when your soul, your 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 uh, your thirst will be quenched. This morning, if I, you've heard me use this illustration. If you've been around, and uh, I've used it multiple times, but if, if I'm thirsty this morning, and I've got a, a thing of motor oil up here, and begins, man, I'm just so thirsty. And so, here's some water. No, no, no. I think I'll go over and get this port of motor oil and start drinking. It's liquid, after all. Shouldn't it quench my thirst? I don't know. I've never tried it. It might temporarily quench a little bit of your thirst, but you're going to have problems later on, right? It's going to be detrimental to your health. And that might be what you are doing this morning in a spiritual sense. You you recognize that there's a thirst, that there's something missing, that that that, that there's something that just isn't right in your soul, and maybe you've pursued relationships with people, maybe you've pursued money, maybe you've pursued a hundred different things, and and you you find that it doesn't really quench your thirst. The thirst comes back. And in fact, many times when you pursue that, it it actually makes you sick, right? It it actually doesn't do you good. It does harm to you. That's what you might be doing this morning. See, God created you with certain spiritual longings, but if you seek to satisfy those longings in wrong ways, you will not be satisfied, and you will damage your soul. And what is worse is there there are some people out there that are promoting a version of Christianity that gives them the blessings of God without God, and and that's what what many people are, are doing. They even try to take the worldly desires that we have and package Christianity that will say, "Hey, here's all your desires; you can have all your desires." And and satisfy those, but but it doesn't ultimately take you to Christ who will truly quench your thirst. Because of the specificity of this offer, the Lord repeatedly commands our attention. You you see that in verse number 2. Listen diligently. Verse number 3. Incline your ear. Verse number 3 again. Hear that your soul may live. What I'm offering to you is It's what will give you life. And it's the only thing that will give you life. So listen to me. You see? There's a specific pathway to take. There's There's a specific place to come and to have your soul's needs met. And so you need to pay attention. You need to listen to the Lord. You can't go that way. That won't bring you peace. That won't bring you happiness. That will not satisfy the longings of your soul. It's here. Listen. Come to Christ. This is the only way. Are you listening to the Lord? Are you heeding his instruction and invitation? Or are you going to leave today just to continue working for things that will never satisfy You see, really, in verses 4 and 5, and we won't get into those, but this is a specific offer in that it is met in Jesus Christ. The sure, steadfast love for David is given to us in Christ. And so he calls to the nations, and they they come to him. They come to Christ. If you want this offer, this is is the place where you must come. You must come to Jesus Christ, the Son of David. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. It's to Christ that you must come. offer. It is an urgent offer as well. Look at verse number 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. This word to seek is, is a word to search for something intensely. One person says it has to do with commitment, with determination, with persistence and spiritual concern. And then he says not only to seek, but to call. And this has the idea of calling out as if you're in trouble. Just imagine that you're a drowning person and you need need help and you call out. In fact, Psalm 50, verse 15 has the same word and and speaks of it in this way. He says, the Lord says, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Call out to the Lord. Seek the Lord. There's, There's an urgency in this. Don't wait. Don't, don't delay. Do it now. Call out to the Lord. And the urgency is clarified because there seems to be a limitation to, to this offer. He says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. What does that mean? Is there a time when the Lord won't be found or can't be found? The Lord offers salvation freely, but it's not an indefinite offer. he Charles says of this, Uh, text, he says, the invitation is a lifetime guarantee, but it's a limited time offer. The benefits last forever, but the offer does not. Get right with God while you have an opportunity. See, God in his sovereignty has set limitations for individuals. We don't know what those limits are specifically. Uh, When we preach the gospel, we preach them to to all people. But but what is that limit? When, When is it the time when God will no longer be found. Well, first of all, we could say just simply it's when God brings judgment. When God brings His judgment on a person is a time when God would no longer be found. In other words, the offer stands and the door is open until the judgment of God comes upon a sinner. Once the judgment has come, the opportunity to respond to the gospel is over. When God's judgment comes upon a sinner, there is no more time for seeking and for calling, and so do it now, is the idea. This is what the psalmist is talking about in Psalm 32, verse 6, when he says, Therefore let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush or in the flood of great waters, they shall not reach him. The prayers shall not reach him. Once God decides, judgment has come. This is it. It's over. There will be no opportunity." call out to the Lord. There will be no opportunity to seek the Lord. But when do those times of judgment come? One time of judgment is death. Death is certain. Death is God's judgment. It's appointed unto man once to die and after this comes the judgment. Romans tells us that the wages of sin is death. Death is God's act's Act of bringing sinners into judgment, and once that time comes, there will be no calling out to the Lord. There will be no time for seeking the Lord. Judgment has come. There are many people. There have been many people who no doubt thought that they had plenty of time. Maybe I should get right with the Lord. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm hesitant. Maybe, maybe I'll just wait. Maybe I can put it off and continue to contemplate. And continue to consider. But they've never responded to this invitation to come to the Lord and to be saved. Think of the rich man in the gospel who thought, look, I've had a good life and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then the Lord came to him in a dream and said, you fool, tonight your soul will be required of you. You see, you don't get to determine when your life will end. And if you delay responding to the invitation to be saved, it may be too late for you. That the time for his offer of grace to you has expired, and he may call your soul into judgment even today. This is the reality. We all know it, right? It could be today. God could say, today is the day that I am requiring your soul. Today is the day that you are going to stand before me in judgment. Today is when your life will end. And it could be for any one of us. We don't know. But when that time comes, surely in the flood of great waters, your prayer will not reach him. There will be no longer a time to call out to the Lord. There will not be a time to seek him. Seek him now while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Another time of judgment is the return of Jesus Christ. Christ's return will come unexpectedly. And many will be surprised by it. The Bible is clear about that. Matthew 27 Uh, Matthew 24, verse 37, rather. It says this, For as were the days of Noah, so will be, be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. For the son of man is coming at an hour that you do not expect you see he's looking back to the old testament he's looking back to noah and he's saying you see what happened here noah was crying out the people noah was preaching the gospel he was telling people to turn from their sin to repent and find god's grace and mercy but they just went on with their lives they were eating and drinking marrying and being given in marriage they were the routine stuff of life, what many of us do. We're just going, going about our everyday life thinking, there's plenty of time, that Noah guy is crazy, surely this flood isn't going to come, the whole earth is going to be flood, all of us are going to come under judgment, that can't be right, can it? And they were all unaware until the day that Noah entered into the ark and God shut the door and his judgment came, surely in the flood of great waters. Their prayers did not reach the Lord. Judgment had come. God had said, this is the time. This is the appointed moment. And judgment is going to come. And so it is, Jesus says, with the coming of the Son of Man. When Jesus returns, there will be no time to call out to the Lord. There will be no time to to seek him in that moment. When Jesus returns, that will be the end. And so seek the Lord while he may be found. There's a a third time of judgment not only your death, not only the return of Jesus Christ, but God may bring a form of judgment upon you in this life even by giving you over to your sin and to the blindness and the hardness of your heart. God does that. We see it in Scripture. It's it's unmistakable. It's, It's very clear. In fact, in this very book, Isaiah prophesied that God would do this to his people because he had cried out to them. The Lord had sent prophet after prophet after prophet to proclaim his word, to call them to repentance. And this is what the Lord did. Listen to Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Isaiah answered, Here am I. Send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing but don't understand. Keep on seeing but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. God had said to the Old Testament people, your time has come. This is it.
1: I have prophesied. I have given you my word. I have called you
0: to repentance. Decade after decade. Century after century. And now is no longer a time when you're going to experience uh, repentance. Now the the window has closed. My judgment, my judicial hardening has come upon you. You will not hear. I'm going to send Isaiah to preach, but you're not going to listen. You're going to have ears that don't hear. You're going to have uh, eyes that do not see. And so Jesus says when he comes in John chapter 12, this is what it says of Jesus' ministry, as a fulfillment to this prophecy of the Old Testament, Isaiah. Though he had done so many signs before him, they still did not believe in him, so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Listen to this, listen to these words. This is scripture in and maybe are like, I don't know if I really agree with you, but just listen, and you need to wrestle with this text if you don't, because this is what it says. Therefore, they could not believe. Why? For again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart, and turning out with him them." Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. He spoke of Christ. And, and in that time, God had brought His judgment upon the people of Israel in in which He had just given them over to their blindness, He had given them over to the hardness of their heart. He said, I've called out to you. I've cried out to you. I've invited you, like in this text that we're looking at this morning. I've invited you again and again, and you have refused and refused and refused. And so my judgment has come in this life. We all know that God's judgment will come when Jesus returns or, or at our death. But sometimes God says, my judgment is coming now in your life. And this is the judgment. I'm just going to give you up to your blindness. You will not believe. You might be here this morning, and you think, "Well, I've heard Christ. I oh, know it's true. I, I, I know that Jesus is the Savior. I know that I need to believe." But, but I'm just going to wait a little while longer. Listen, don't wait. You you could die. Don't wait. Jesus could return.
1: Don't let God's
0: judgment could come in your life and He could just, after you refuse the gospel again and again and again, He could just say about you, it's done. I'm going to just give this person over to their blindness. And I'm going to let them live the rest of their life in blindness and in a hardness of heart, and they will not believe. Now is the time. You, you may not have another opportunity to respond to this invitation. Death may come, Christ may return, or God may pronounce his sovereign judgment on your unbelief. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6. 2, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And in Hebrews 3.15, as it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as in the rebellion. If you hear the gospel invitation this morning, respond to it this morning. If God has given you the grace to turn from your sins and to believe in him, then do it this morning. The gospel is is an urgent offer. The gospel is a life-changing offer. You see, in order to come to Christ, you must turn from your sin. Look again at verse number six. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Verse number seven. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. See, he's calling you to repentance. Your way that's your lifestyle. The, the choices that you're making, the, the actions uh, that you have taken, the, the course of life that you have placed yourself on. He's saying you need to forsake your ways. And you you need to turn from your thoughts, even. It it gets deeper than just the choices that you make, because the choices that you make are just really uh, the outworking of the thoughts that you have. And so you need to turn from your thoughts. And that's exactly what repentance is. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change in action. When you change your mind about something, it begins to work itself out in your actions and in your choices, right? I no longer think that way. I no longer believe that to be true. And so instead of going that way, I'm going this way. That's what repentance is. When God changes your heart, the sin that you once loved, the things that you once thought were enjoyable, the course of life that you once thought was the best way you say, that's not right anymore. And so you forsake those thoughts and you turn and go in a new way. Direction. And notice here, it is a return. He says to repent and then to return. In verse number seven, let him return to the Lord. The call to repentance is, is missing in many gospel invitations, and this is unfortunate because you cannot return to the Lord unless you first turn from your sin. Repentance is not some kind of preparation you have to do in order to be saved. Remember, this is an invitation to those who have nothing to offer, but it is a logical necessity. Notice in verses 8 and 9, the Lord says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, and so if you're going to come to the Lord, you can't continue In your thoughts. Live according to your thoughts. Walk in your ways. You have to turn from those in order that you may walk in the ways of the Lord. And in order that you must think as the Lord would have you to think. It's it's a logical necessity. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. So you cannot stay in your way and continue to think your thoughts and return to the Lord. If you're going to come to the Lord, if you're going to receive this offer, you must turn from your sin. Return to the Lord like the prodigal son. It's not merely a, 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 a put, you know practicing new uh, practices or, or adopting new practices. It's coming home to our heavenly Father. It's returning to Him. If you do that this morning, we see the final thing is that the gospel is a certain offer. Look again at verse number seven. Let him return to the Lord that He may have compassion on him that's not a question about he may or may not. He's saying so that the Lord will have compassion on the person who returns. And to our God, return to our God for he will abundantly pardon you. If you will come to the Lord he will pardon your sin. He will forgive you. No matter what you've done, no matter how far you stray from him, no matter the kinds of things that you, you, you have done in your life or the thoughts that you've had if you will return to the Lord and forsake those ways God will pardon you He will cast your sin behind His back the prophet says in other He says that He'll cast your sin into the depths of the ocean we've seen that earlier as far as the east is from the west that's how far our sin has been removed from us Isaiah 43, 25, I, I am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. I want to invite you this morning to take this free offer of the gospel. Turn away from your sin and unbelief and run to Christ, even though you have nothing to purchase your forgiveness. The price has already been paid. Run to Christ this morning. While you still have time Seek him while he may be found Call upon him while he is near And if you do this I can assure you Based on the authority of God's word this morning That he will pardon you You will find that For which your soul is longing Let's pray Our Heavenly Father we come to you this morning And I want to pray Specifically Lord whether it's Someone listening and watching on, on Facebook Or someone in the room this morning, who has never had their sins washed away, who has never uh, come to experience the grace of your forgiveness, I pray, Lord, that they would come this morning. I pray that they would sense the urgency of this offer, Lord. They, they do not know uh, if they have another, uh, another day to live. They, they do not know that they will wake up tomorrow. God, they do not know that they will hear uh, another gospel invocation in their life. I pray that they would respond this morning, that they would look to Christ, that they would turn from their ways, and that they would run to you, and that their soul would be satisfied in you. I pray this this morning in the name of our Savior.